0: You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode.
1: Mom. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Now welcome to host, Jenny Polly and his lovely wife Tracy. I hear she's a lovely girl. <laughs>
0: everybody and welcome to episode 43 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry and this is Tracy.
2: Hey, so right off the bat, I need somebody to tell me what that song means. I must pick up every stitch. What does that mean? I don't get it.
0: That's because you obviously don't sew.
2: Well, I thought that had to do with it, but then I'm like, well, what's dumb? I what's he going to be sewing and talking about a witch? I think it
0: has to do with that cartoon, that Lilo and Stitch cartoon. Because like if Lilo was... or. Uh, i don't know which is which stitch which.
2: <laughs> i don't know either i don't know what that song means if anybody knows because i you know i just don't know so it don't make no sense to me but what else is new
0: okay but hey guys so we are excited to be back with you guys and we've got an awesome story for you also uh, a little earlier today i was on uh the podcast for don't break the oath that'll be coming out next week so if you guys listen to them you'll hear me on there uh, next week talking about spring hill jack Mm-hmm. I got to make uh, one of my famous jokes on there because you did? they said uh, he only attacked women, and I said, "Well, if he attacked women uh, or men, that he would be high heeled Jack."
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> you just made that up on the fly, didn't you?
0: Yes, I did. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, um,
2: don't you think they hear enough of you as it is?
0: You would think, you would think, okay. but apparently not. All right, go ahead. So let's go. We got we finished our uh, released our first listeners episode for. Uh, Patreon, So we had Sarah Roscoe on, we had Jackie Getz, we had uh, Molly Frias, and we had Gene, I always mispronounce his name, I think it's high. But we had Gene on, and uh, so far everybody who's heard it said it was a fantastic episode, so we're already getting started on the next one. So if you guys have any stories that you would like to tell on air, or if you just want to send it to us and don't want to be on air but want us to read it, send it to our email or send it to our Facebook page uh, on our uh, messenger on there, Mm -hmm. and we'll... Be sure to get back in touch with you because we're going to start recording those in the next couple of weeks.
2: And if you send it by a story, Jerry never lets me read. Why well, you don't let me read?
0: Have you heard your acting or your reading?
2: I can read.
0: Did you hear the commercial that we put out that we gave to Just a Story podcast?
2: What do you mean?
0: Well, it sounded like, you know, one of these, oh, yes, I do remember. <laughs> Don't make me have to tell these people about your, actor, oh, your acting experience. I've
2: come a long way. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. See how that That was better, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I
2: got you, boo.
0: I, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Um, anyways, so I want to give a couple of quick shout outs, first and foremost, to our military and uh, everybody across the world that uh, does civil service type work policemen, fire department, EMS. Thank you guys for what you do.
2: And prayers, our prayers are with all you guys in London. I'm telling you this is so ridiculous, but we we are saying prayers for you guys, and I just want to go punch somebody in the face over there, whoever's doing that because come on now, it's
0: yeah, you ridiculous. guys you guys have really been hit hard over the past month, so uh keep your heads up and uh, hopefully uh, everybody can start getting these things straight across the globe. A couple quick shout outs Lily Ordonez, and i I know she thinks I'm pronouncing her name wrong, but I guarantee I'm not know no i'm i think she thought i was gonna pronounce it wrong but i, th- oh, I think i got, I got it i think i got that one dean carrington in utah uh missy devania in uh, louisville uh sheree hester jackson in love louisville, you sheree aka camel toe um <laughs> <laughs> some itunes reviews we had uh paula sent us one tony t um uh, les lib i'm not sure if i'm reading too les much live. into that um cole 66 uh Chelsea Carter.
2: Chelsea Carter. Delion,
0: yeah, she's a Patreon supporter.
2: That's right. No, I think I know somebody named that though. Seriously. Yeah, not it's her though. Chelsea,
0: our Patreon supporter.
2: No, no. I mean I know her, but unless I the like... other
0: person donates money to us, she's dead to us. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a little <laughs> rude. Delion 0515, uh, K Hager forty three forty three. Celeste Seymour. Uh K Lucille. I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce this right, Blankney, C O, two one three, and they're actually uh, they they're in the Navy, I believe. So nice, um,
2: thank you guys for protecting us. We appreciate y'all. God bless you.
0: Southern Heathen, that's another one. That's a that's my kind of person.
2: I was gonna say I know a lot of those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, real quick for Patreon, here's the new Patreon supporters we have for the week: uh, Tina Aller, uh, Lisa Marie Nieto, Julie Coleman. Uh, Darren Berry, Chelsea Carter, and Julie Bernard. Thank you guys so Love much. Love you guys so much. It. Thank you. Uh, we, I, I, I kind of left off in iTunes review because uh, this one's uh, kind of important, but I'm going to revisit it now. Debris Hut. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that one last week. That was the infamous three-star rating that said Tracy was ignorant. And though I tend to agree in most cases, <laughs> I did not think that that was completely warranted. And so we had fun with it the entire podcast. Uh, I actually heard from Miss Hut. That's not really her name, but for the sake of this, yeah. we'll call her Miss Hut. Mm-hmm. Um super super nice very very sweet we we talked back and forth on email for uh, uh probably a couple of hours and she um explained herself i explained myself and when it was all said and done it was a big kumbaya and um you know she she didn't mean any harm in it like and we not. knew we we knew she did and that's why we had fun with it on the episode but um in the in the end she got a chance to voice uh what she thought her concerns were and and uh, she reposted her review to a five-star review so we greatly appreciate that
2: yes thank you doll we appreciate you
0: and um you know thank you for being a good sport yeah this, you are like a good i said sport. we we were just having some fun with it that's what we do that's sometimes
2: how- jerry's full of himself I mean, in case y'all did not notice that no, so stop it i know it's hard to believe but
0: um i c- I can't remember what next week's episode's about but it's unimportant because uh uh-huh. The important thing about next week's episode is that the girls from And That's Why We Drink are going to join us.
2: Oh, cool. So uh,
0: we'll have some fun with Christine and them next week.
2: Nice. I can't wait.
0: This week's story, and I'm I'm in the process. If you guys have stories that you want us to kind of look into, I've got a boatload of stories already, so that's not that big a deal. But if you guys have something and and I find it super interesting, I kind of move it to the front of the list. Uh, So if you got some uh, ideas you want us to check on or some stories that we may not have heard of from your neck of the woods, throw it to us, and uh, I'll start doing some investigating on it.
2: Did you say boats and hoes?
0: I did not say boats and hoes. What did you say? I said boatloads.
2: Oh, boats and hoes. I guess technically
0: that could be, like if it's a yacht, that's a whole bunch of stories. If it's like a rowboat, it's not near as many stories. That's true. Very true.
2: Yeah, we we can hardly wait. If you guys want to send us some stories, that would be Great.
0: So we're going to jump right into this story because there's a lot of details that go on, and I, I think with this story, uh, what's going to be the most interesting is I think everybody knows about the Salem witch trials, uh, that as far as they exist. I don't think a lot of people have many details on it. Yeah,
1: uh, be for, interested.
0: For example, um, and I'll throw this out your way: How, in your opinion, from everything you've ever heard, how do most witches get killed?
2: Um. My assumption is they were burned at the stake.
0: And that's probably going to be most people's assumptions. And with the whole Salem witch trial, not one person was burned at the stake. Well,
2: thank you, Lord, because that's horrible.
0: Well, how they died wasn't much less horrible. But at the same time, uh, we'll get into that a little bit. But there were witches that were burned at the stake uh, and some pagans and stuff like that. We'll get into that. But for this actual uh, situation in Salem there were no witches burned at the stake okay. so but they did burn them at the stake in England and uh some of the other witch hunts that that went on but oh, okay. not in this one so let's talk about what a witch is and I know most people think they know what a witch is uh they think they probably have striped um socks hanging out from underneath the house <laughs>
2: but it's that's
0: uh you know you got that opinion of a witch and everybody sees the Halloween witches and and uh then you've got today's version of witches, which are like the the Wiccans and stuff like that that practice white magic or the pagans, which pretty much are uh, into nature uh, more than they are actual gods mm-hmm. and stuff. They're just more of the, the land and the earth. But for all, all the reasons for this story, we're going to talk about what witchcraft was back in basically the 17th century. So witchcraft uh, is seen during this time got its roots in folk magic. And, you know, this goes all the way back to since before prehistoric time. People believed that you could use spells and charms, and that would help your crops, and it was uh, could, would help in fertility situations, help heal the sick, and you could use it to even take revenge on somebody. Uh, and the, the early pagan god, one of them uh, was half man, half goat, and early Christians decided they were going to add the wings of a fallen angel to him, and that's how you get the image christians used early on as satan
2: so that's for real half man half goat
0: but that's what one of the early pagan gods wow that's what it was yeah and it's the same thing we've talked about before like in the rock right. and roll and the occult shows yeah. and stuff with like in like pan and mm-hmm. and all them the half man half goat but you'll see the image of satan all the time most of the time as you know the the goat hooves and mm-hmm. the the horns and uh the wings and that's where this came from um so you kind of go back, like I said, that the Christians did that because they really had a problem with the pagans. And they felt like that, you know, mm-hmm. what the pagans did was Satan worshiping to them, even though that may not have been the case. That's the way the Christians felt because it wasn't the way they believed. Um, they felt like Satan needed several people to do his evil bidding. And what he would do is he would recruit young women to become witches. He would basically approach them. And he would offer them uh, worldly possessions or sometimes sexual favors uh, to sell their soul over to him. And then he would have them sign their name in his book in their blood. And that's how they became a witch.
2: I guess he just left out the bad part. What bad part? Well, like bad things that would happen if you were found out that you were a witch.
0: Well... I mean, I guess that's just like anything else. If you're going to sell your soul to the devil, you probably already know the bad part. <laughs> you're, you're selling your soul to the devil. Well,
2: I mean, I guess so. That's stupid. They're, they were dumb.
0: So in the 1400s, uh, this goes, we're going way back, but we'll kind of catch up to where we're at. But in the 1400s, uh, the Christian churches began a big um, push against the pagans. And they decided they were going to destroy paganism altogether. Uh, over the next 150 years, over 50,000 pagans were burned at the stake and hanged. And But by the late 1600s, roughly, the, everything was kind of taking a change. It was becoming more science-related. And all these kind of witch hunts and the pagan hunts and all that just kind of started slowing down a little bit.
2: Dang, they took it to the extreme when they said they were going to destroy. I thought you was going to be like, hey, no more pagan club.
0: No, they were <laughs> club. <laughs> no, they were tearing up the churches. They were destroying oh all the uh, the statues wow. or any idols mm. they had. Wow. Um, so everything's changing now, more scientifically, but not everybody was happy with that. The uh, the Puritans, who got their name from the fact that they wanted to live by the purest of values. Mm-hmm. Um, they followed the Bible to a T. What was written in the Bible was fact, as far as they were concerned, and every word of it was meant to be taken exactly it was written. There was no, uh, um, well, this meant that or that. Yeah, that, that, no. What yeah, it said is, is what, what it, it is. says.
1: Yeah.
0: So the the Puritans, obviously, they're they're highly conservative. A lot of people uh, are more familiar with the Amish mm-hmm, today, mm-hmm. or the the Pilgrims. Back in the day. And those Mm -hmm. were basically all Puritans. So that, again, kind of give you an idea. Um, They founded the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1628. It was uh, run on strict religious principles, as we stated, and based on the whole purification method. Now, the Bible clearly states, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, which basically means if there's a witch, kill them. And since they take things exactly the way that the Bible says... That's the way it was set up in their laws. It Gosh. was against the law to be a witch and it was punishable by death.
2: Well, you're a good witch.
0: There were no good witches. There just was none. If you were a witch, you got your dealings from the devil and that that's was it. that's a no no.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, witches were believed to be able to send an unseen shape, or as you're gonna hear more and more in this term, spectre. <coughs> <laughs> I think they sent a spectre after me. <laughs> Like, there's witches. uh, Witches don't want us to get this podcast out.
2: I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, continue on. Okay,
0: so that word should have been specter (laughs) and not a a, a Peter Brady version. (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) Oh, Lord.
0: So they would send out a specter to basically do their evil bidding. And and, uh, so even though that person wasn't there, it was like a... um, like a ghost type likeness of them that would Mm -hmm. torment you so it didn't have to be the person themselves. it could just be their entity so to speak so like a bully today yeah i guess i guess
2: not that drastic but
0: yeah it wouldn't be near as drastic having a ghost an evil ghost come to your house and (laughs) yeah torment you it wouldn't be near as drastic as a bully on facebook just calling you mean names (laughs)
2: i guess not okay
0: all right so let's let's get back up to speed all the way to the current year of 1692. <laughs> oh, wow. And that's when all this took place. So we're going to start off in January, and we're in Salem Village. Most people don't realize that there was Salem Town and Salem Village. Salem Village was the newer. It was kind of like a suburb of just, you know, five miles or so past um, the actual uh, city of, or the town of Salem. Mm-hmm. And all this mainly took place in the village. So that's where we're going to focus on. Now, first and foremost, this was a new town. There was a new church, and there was definitely some contractual dispute over the pastor's salary. Um, Pastor Paris would berate his congregation and try to shame them into paying his salary.
2: What a douche. And
0: Yeah, so... He didn't know during all this that that his daughters were actually, a daughter and, and niece, were actually going to be the center of this whole thing. Oh man! So what happens is is Minister Paris's daughter Betty, uh, she was nine years old, and his niece Abigail, who was eleven, lived with him. They started experiencing these kind of crazy illness gyrations. They were uh, shaking. They were throwing little fits. They were. Um, I mean, it almost seemed like when, when you see seen the cartoons and stuff, how people have itching powder poured down their back. Oh, and, yeah. And um, just, it's something that's just really you can't explain. Yeah. It's like they're bending in ways that you shouldn't be able to bend, like when you dance. Um, I'm
2: telling you, you are a hater of my dancing. <laughs> Don't be jelly.
0: But that's what was happening. So they called the doctor in to find out what's going on. And back in these days, if the doctor couldn't figure out what the illness was, which was the case here... He couldn't find anything wrong. The automatic diagnosis was witchcraft.
2: Man, that's a bummer.
0: (laughs) And like I said, you know there there were laws against that, Mm -hmm. so that was a major deal. Now,
2: but wait, who decided that? Did one person, certain person, have to decide? Well, okay, well they're witches, or does this like you know what I'm saying to you?
0: No, well it's kind of funny because anybody could claim witchcraft. And then you would have to have a trial and go through that whole process. The only way that you could do a trial, and in, and in order to convict, you have to have um, a confession. The only way you can convict somebody without a confession is if two people saw the actual act of witchcraft take place.
2: I was going to say, because that's that's some horse crap. Because if somebody was just pissed at you that day, oh, man. Oh, she's a witch.
0: And that's what you're going to find out happened here. that's uh, oh. the, the, Yeah. Uh, so, see, by not knowing the story, you didn't know the story, which I'm used to. Sorry. So, anyways. <laughs> it. Much like you're dancing, you're stepping all over my feet. Um, mm-hmm. So, what happens is we're trying to find out who the witch is. And a neighbor suggests an old folk folklore method for finding a witch. And Paris' slave woman, Teachaba, she decided that she was going to follow the directions to find this out. Now, what the directions was... She had to take some meal and some urine from one of the girls.
2: What is meal?
0: You know, like cornmeal.
2: Oh, cornmeal. Yeah. And urine? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And she had to take urine from one of the girls, and she made a witch cake.
2: Oh, that sounds
0: tasty. Well, then what you do is you feed it to a dog, mm-hmm. and then the dog should be able to point out the witch.
2: Get out of here.
0: Well, that's what they said. Now, obviously... This is not within the specter of Puritan belief. Uh, this came from folklore of magic, which is definitely not something the Puritans believe in. So when when uh, Pastor Paris found out about it, he was pissed. And he went on to the congregation. He had a big meeting about it. And uh, he told the church that, you know, somebody went to the devil for help against the devil. And that he ordered prayer and fasting to help against the witchcraft. I mean, that makes sense.
2: What's fasting do? I don't know. I mean, what does that prove?
0: As long as they don't have to eat that witch cake, I guess it's do Oh, matter. well,
2: I mean, I probably fast, too. <laughs> Dang, well, wow, that's interesting.
0: So then Pastor Paris, and by the way, let's talk a little bit about him. He's 39 years old. He was a failed businessman, and all this is going to make sense in a little bit. He's a failed businessman. He just recently he had become a pastor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mentioned that there was um, a contract dispute and all that stuff, and some of that all comes into play here because what happened was – and. and I mentioned a lot of stuff, all this stuff that I'm telling you, for the most part, a gentleman by the name of Cotton Mathers, who wrote a book three years earlier on witchcraft. He was kind of commissioned by the governor to write all this stuff down. So he basically chronicled everything that happened. So everything that that we know about the Salem witch trials all came from him.
2: Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so
0: we've got some pretty good documentation of what went on. Uh, So let's talk about him real quick. Cotton Mather's Cotton Mather's was twenty nine years old. He was asked to write this, obviously, by the uh, by the the governors, just to find out what went on. Now he had had a situation where he had similar behavior uh, with some uh, the Goodwin kids back three years earlier, and he wrote a book about it. Now the Goodwin kids, there was four of them. They said that they were bewitched uh, by a woman by the name of Goody Glover, and you're going to love this. (laughs) She was brought to trial. And she was Irish, though. She only spoke a language called Gaelic. She didn't speak English. They asked her to recite the Lord's Prayer, and no matter how many times she tried, she couldn't do it. They took that as a sign she was a witch, because no way that a witch could recite the Lord's Prayer. It had nothing to do with the fact that she didn't speak the language.
2: Oh man! In nineteen or uh,
0: sixteen eighty-eight, they hung her for being a witch.
2: Want to see, and that all, is not cool. And,
0: and the thing of it is, is the same problem that these Goodwin kids were having is yeah. the same problems, the twitching, the gyrating, yeah. the um, screaming out. It was the same thing that's happening to these two young girls in Salem. So that's one of the mm. reasons why they got him involved.
2: They should have had an interpreter.
0: Now, under the, uh, the pressure of Pastor Paris to name who was bewitching the girls, they named the most obvious person they could their slave, Mm -hmm. Tichaba. Now, her and her husband were described as slaves from Barbados. So they're dark-skinned, much like the Indians, Mm -hmm. that the Puritans were, that was their natural enemy when they moved here. Because remember, they came here and they took the land from the Indians. Yeah. And we'll get into a little bit of that. But um, the specific specific tribe that they had problems with were the the Wabanakis. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the, the ones that were right there. Now, Puritans looked at Native Americans as devil worshipers. They felt that they didn't have a right to the land uh, because they didn't cultivate it. So if they didn't cultivate it, it was pretty much free land, and they should just come in there and take it. And that's what they did. Now, this obviously didn't sit well with the Wabanakis because <laughs> this was their land. They'd been there. They didn't want to cultivate it. Well, yeah, just why wanted would they to have, have to? They wanted the open land. So one time uh, when the Wabanakis came to town for, to, to trade, which they would come in and trade, you know, mm-hmm. they had that relationship, there was a militia group that basically captured them and sold them into slavery. And this really pissed off the uh, people in the tribe because mm-hmm. this was a lot of their women and children that they yeah. captured and sold off. So in 1675, the Wabanakis started a series of uh, really – kind of heinous and bloody wars against the Puritans and any English that were in that area. In 1676, they attacked a a little camp in Falmouth, Maine, and 23 women and children were killed. Uh, 11 men were killed. Some of them were captured, so they weren't all killed, but 23 women and children were killed or captured, and then, like I said, 11 men. There was a 3-year-old girl there that survived by the name of Mercy Lewis. Mm Mm-hmm. Now this is 16 years before all this stuff happened. So she was 3 years old back then. And most of her relatives were killed during this Indian attack. Okay. Her mom, dad, cousins, grandpa, all of them were killed. Now we're going to jump back ahead. Mercy's now 18 years old and she's living in a ser- as a servant in Salem. And she's going to become a key figure of this whole trial thing and we'll get into that a little more. It's a teaser. Okay. Mercy Lewis now works for the Putnam family, and she's starting to act bewitched along with uh, Ann Putnam, who's twelve. It's actually, Ann Putnam Junior. It's funny back in these days they would name juniors after the women too. Oh well. So hmm. you had, you know, Anne Putnam Junior. She was twelve, uh, and then you had the mom, which was just Ann Putnam. She's thirty, and then you had Mary Walcott, which is her cousin. She was seventeen. They all started acting bewitched. So they were having, now they're having the same symptoms. Yeah. Uh, The jerking around, the gyrating, all that. This starts spreading like wildfire all over the place. This is like now everybody, not, well, not everybody, it's kind of a stretch, but a bunch of the women, some of them married, some of them kids, Mm -hmm. some of them in between, they all start having these problems. And they all blamed Teachable. So this girl now is ready for legal action. They arrest her. Um, The girls, though, the original girls the uh, abigail and um uh, the other little girl Mm -hmm. his daughter they were both too young to be able to i guess cause legal action
1: okay because
0: they're they're minors Mm -hmm. but now you've got 18 19 20 year old women so now they can actually go ahead and arrest this girl so in march 1692 seven people claimed to be bewitched and it was all teachable Federal for, uh, formal complaints were, were charged, and the governor sent down two magistrates from uh, a nearby Salem town, John Hathorn, and Jonathan uh, Corwin. Both of them were from the town of Salem, and they wanted to do a preliminary exam uh, to see if a trial was actually warranted. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, the accusers are asked during this time to point out the witch. All of this is from actual courtroom records. Okay? okay, so this is they asked Teachaba, they pull her, kind of pull her up, and she's understand. The and they said, "What spirit has uh, have you become familiar with um, that would cause you to hurt these children?" Mm-hmm. And she was like, "I'm, I'm not hurting these children." Well, once she says that the all the people that were accusing her they just all of a sudden just kind of start falling on the ground and all it's like almost like in unison and it's like okay what's up
2: yeah that's really bizarre and,
0: and then they're moan and then every time they would ask her you know something else they're like see why do you hurt these kids mm-hmm. and she's like i'm not hurting them and then they would just get louder you know in today's courtroom they would throw them out well yeah they wouldn't just allow them to do that stuff but and uh She's like, I, you know, I don't hurt them at all, and, and I've done nothing to cause them any kind of hurt. Well, these guys were good at what they did, mm-hmm. these magistrate guys. And what they decided that they were going to do was they, they get confessions. That's what they do. So they kept hammering her. And finally, she confessed to being a witch. And she not only confessed, but then she says, I'm going to be a witch. I guess I'm going to name some other people, too. So this was like, you know, she
2: threw him under the bus.
0: Well, it's kind of like what you said earlier about when you got problems with people.
2: Yeah.
0: And it was not so much her throwing them under the bus as I think she was trying to save her own ass. Mm -hmm. So she not only confessed, she starts telling these other people, she says, there was a tall man in black clothing and he came to me. Sometimes he appeared as a dog and basically told me that he wanted me to be a witch and to sign his book and at this point in time as she's telling the story now all the people out in the audience that are accused her they're kind of like they're in a trance you know they're just like sitting there with blank faces and you know mm-hmm. and she said there was others she named Goody Osborne and Sarah Good and she said that she had seen the devil's book and there were other names in it now this was an examination not a trial so they couldn't convict but they could arrest. So they arrested Teachaba, Sarah Good. Uh, Sarah was a was basically a beggar who had a very bad temper. So you can kind of see where where she was named. And then you had uh, Osborne, who was also kind of like a town whore. Oh, because uh, you said it. Well, they said she was of loose morals. What yeah. do you expect? And, now, obviously, both of these young women say they weren't witches. Um, so she she goes on to name nine witches altogether. Dang! And so they've got two of them. So there's seven more left mm-hmm. that they still got to track down. Now here's the kicker to this whole thing: they she names Martha Quarry. Now Martha Quarry is a 60 year old woman who is a very well known church member, and she was by all accounts of uh, you know one of the upright citizens in the community. So the fact that she could be a witch meant anybody could be a witch. Uh, Now, the only negative she had to her that anybody can point a finger to is she had an uneducated husband who was a pretty profitable farmer uh, and could be a little bit argumentative. And you're going to find out how argumentative a little later in the story. Now, the first three people, obviously, like I said, they named her kind of outcast. You know, you had the slave girl and you had the, the, the beggar woman and then you had the woman that was the whore. But like I said, when you name Martha, man, that's mm-hmm. now it's a whole different level. Now Anne Putnam Jr. We talked about the Putnams earlier, and Mercy Lewis, Mercy Lewis, keep in mind, was the three-year-old that mm-hmm. survived the uh, the Indian attack. They claimed that Martha's specter tormented them. Now remember, we said specter earlier was basically she would didn't have to be there; she just basically sent a likeness of herself. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the the devil could take. The form, when you signed your name in that book, the devil could then take your form if, if that's what he wanted to do. So that's how all that works. Now, during Martha's questioning, she denied being a witch, of course. And uh, the kids were falling on the ground as she was saying this and acting crazy, acting a fool, as people would say these mm-hmm. days. They was acting up. They've fallen out. <laughs> yeah. And she said that she had nothing to do with their actions, and she asked to go pray which was denied. And uh, she asked, she just kind of stood there and she just asked the Lord to kind of open the magistrate's eyes so they could see what was going on that basically these girls were full of shit. hmm And, you know, they shouldn't be trusted. Um, well, the, unfortunately, back in the day, the magistrates actually relied on spectral evidence. And... They would, if somebody said that your spectral came to them, well, that, that was as good as having a witness. Wow. So yeah, like you said earlier, you could just get pissed off at somebody yeah. and point the finger at them. And that's the kind of stuff that happened. You know, at one t- time during her, um, uh, appearance in the courtroom, she kind of bit her lip a little bit. You know how you know, yeah. you'll do kind of during time of stress. Well, then when she did that, all the other girls out there started biting their lips. Oh. And then, and then, you know, the magistrate's like, quit biting your lip. And then all of a sudden she got mad and clenched her hands. And then all the girls started clenching their hands and moaning. And it was like that the, the frustration level yeah. had to be so crazy. But, you know, that's what was going on. This thing, you know, you got to realize once this thing started, it was like a, a, a steam rolling, mm-hmm. you know, train going down the tracks yeah. downhill. Yeah. There was no stopping it because – it's just like anything else. You get that um terror in the town and then it's like a plague. Mm-hmm. Now there's a panic that's broke out. Yeah. Now you got everybody and then you got people just because it's the hip thing to do now, you know. Yeah. Or, or I wanna be I wanna have be, you know, kind of witchcraft too. I wanna or bewitched or whatever the term is, you know. I wanna have that same situation and so then you got all these other people jumping on the bandwagon. So the reality is probably, you know, most of these people had nothing going on. And there's plenty of people that speculate that even the first two girls were just full of shit to begin with trying to get attention. And it was a joke. It went too far.
1: Oh, wow. You know,
0: But we'll get into that a little more.
1: Peer um, pressure.
0: Right. So we're going to jump ahead to April of 1692. We're still at Salem Village. Uh, any sign of anything strange going on at all was witchcraft. That's just the way that it was now. Wild stories were used as legal evidence. There was panic everywhere. By the end of April, there were six more accused. So now there's 10 people in jail. And this is an old, like, wooden barn-type jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not really a jail. It wasn't meant for that. It was meant to just kind of hold people for a couple of days. It wasn't meant for long term. Right. So during the winter time, so this all started in January, it was freezing in there. I mean, it was because there was no heat. So it was freezing. And if it got to the summertime, it was going to be sweltering in there during that time. Um, so now you've got the whole thought process that if you're a witch, your family's probably a witch too. So Sarah Good was not only in jail, her four year old daughter, uh, Dorkins, I swear that's her name Dorkins. Dorkins. Her hmm. four year old daughter, Dorkins was there, and after eight months, she went mad. What? Yep.
2: I don't understand how a four-year-old can that... I don't understand that.
0: Well, because you're eight eight months of in you, a dark room. No, a, I
2: mean, I understand that, but I don't understand how could they could just assume that she was going to be a witch, Because, too.
0: well, how could they assume any of this stuff?
2: I don't know. They're all crazy.
0: Um. So she
2: went mad, and what happened? She died. Oh, the little girl mm-hmm.
0: did? Yep. If you were charged... Uh, and you, you know, you were basically as a witch. If you were charged as a witch, you were guilty until proven innocent. And how they would test some of these people <laughs> is, and they didn't, you know, through witchcraft. Not just in this situation, because they none of these really went through that. But a lot of the witch hunts after the fact, uh, or in other parts of the country, they would actually tie a boulder to you and put you in the water. And if you drowned, you were innocent. You weren't a witch.
2: Oh, my God. That is dumb as shit. So that was not a win-win situation (laughs) at all. So you were danged if you do, danged if you don't. Yeah, but at
0: least your name was cleared.
2: Well, that's dumb. I was wondering how how could they prove their innocence if they're locked up in a barn somewhere.
0: Now, the accused are stripped naked and interrogated, obviously. Now, what they were looking for, and I swear this is true, were witches' teats
2: their teats they're
0: looking for teats because you remember um, well I guess you don't remember because I didn't tell this part but uh, what what ends up happening supposedly if you're a witch you have other animals that are really familiar to you that are also Satan's little varmints so mm-hmm. to speak you know they could be birds it could be uh, mice it could be cats dogs yeah. but they would come up to you and suck on your teeth. <gasps> And But it's not like necessarily where you think it is. It could be anywhere on their body. It could be just like a little nipple, a random nipple anywhere.
2: Is that where that, that one, what do you call that fetish? <laughs> no.
0: a, a, a teat fetish? I no, no where people
2: thinking. do it with animals.
0: No, I think that's called bestiality. That's oh, that's a, a word. That's not a fetish. That's just a good time I mean, on a, a Saturday night.
2: That's so gross. Okay, so they would like <laughs> literally walk up to the person and just start sucking on their teeth.
0: Yeah, wherever that teat may be. So that's why they would strip them, because they wanted to see where it would be. Oh, Lord. How embarrassing. Then also, while they were in jail, they got charged for room and board. So if you wanted, like... <laughs> so if you wanted, like, your hay for that you slept on to be traded out every week or so, you had to pay for it. If you wanted food and water, you had to pay for it. Oh, my. And, you know, so what happened is, uh, basically, the jerk-off sheriff that they had, his name was George Corwin. He was actually one of the nephews of that magistrate, Corwin. Yeah. But he, uh, he would, very corrupt type of guy, he would, as soon as these people would be put in jail, he'd start going and getting all their merchandise and stuff in their house and all their belongings, and you know, it was almost like, he was getting rich off this stuff. And uh, so he would confiscate their property, and and, uh, um, like I said, almost immediately. He had no legal right to be able to do this, but Mm -hmm. they did. And some some think that the uh, ones actually started this whole witch hunter pursuit. It I guess they didn't start it, but they started pursuing it just to line their own pockets. And yeah, you know, but wouldn't
2: they be afraid if they were witches? They would do something to them for taking their stuff.
0: Well, I mean, you would think they would, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And then there was a bunch of other people that felt like that this was just a way to kind of settle the store mm-hmm. our score with people. Yeah, uh, like you said, just blaming people. You got to remember in 17th century New England uh, lawsuits were really big right at the time, and because. These people were kind of hands on type people. They would, uh, they were into a lot of fighting and a lot of, uh, you know, pushing and screaming. That's how they settled everything. So they were kind of pushed into doing, you know, let's do lawsuits instead. Well, there was tons of lawsuits all the time. So since you couldn't really push anybody and fight anybody and you can only do lawsuits. You could imagine how this would be a good way to get even with people, if you could just mm-hmm. start accusing people of being a witch. What
2: if Morgan and Morgan was there?
0: I don't think they were.
2: <laughs> and I think
0: outside of Lexington, nobody will get that.
2: Oh, I think uh, that's true.
0: <laughs> but the, the most common name that were on the lawsuits were the Putnams. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember, the Putnams were the ones that we talked about earlier that— uh, uh mercy lewis now works for and the that whole family of women were bewitched and they were the one that accused martha Corey. um uh, so you've got the the putnam family thomas putnam his wife Anne, his daughter and then uh mercy and then his, his niece lived there they were diverted, devoted churchgoers and they're also really big supporters of pastor paris mm-hmm. now that's going to really come into play because Pastor Paris had a lot of people who actually didn't like him. Mm -hmm. And uh he had his, you know, powerful supporters, but he had people that didn't really like him. Now, Thomas and the other Putnams, which pretty much ran things in a town politically, they supported Salem Village having its own church, while some of the other people would rather walk five miles to Salem town and go to church there. Mm -hmm. Remember I said there was a big uh dispute about paying.
1: Yeah, the mm -hmm. and
0: that's the whole thing. Now the reason they don't these people didn't want to pay uh, the pastor because by having this new church and by paying the pastor they were gonna have twice the taxes. Oh
1: and why we'll okay. have
0: twice the taxes when you could just Yeah you know cool. when just walk a short easy five miles up and back to church on uh yeah, I get in it. Salem. I feel you. Now people who did the Putnams wrong were basically drugging into this witchcraft hunt. Mm. Oddly enough. Now Salem 1680 to 1683. Before uh, Pastor Paris came in, there was a minister by the name of George Burles. He was 42 years old. He was uh, uh, had been married three times, and like I said, he was the pastor there. And the village started to withhold his salary. So you can see kind of a you know pattern here. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, he couldn't pay his debts. Now, when he couldn't pay his debts, they arrested him because he owed money to Putnam. So they arrested him for not being able to pay his debts. So he went to court over it, and he's like, how can I pay my debts
1: mm-hmm. if, they if the town
0: up? stopped paying me? Yeah. You know, and he said, I can, you know, when the town pays me, I can repay my debts. And eventually that's what happened. He repaid his debts, and he got out. But the Putnams felt pretty damn embarrassed over that whole situation. They felt like that he kind of got over on them. Yeah. And just because, you know, even though he was right. They felt like that they were made to look bad, so they didn't ever, never really got over that. So now we're back in 1692. He's a minister in Maine. He's not even in the same state. And uh, he survived, at this point in time, he survived like three or four different Indian attacks. Oh, wow. So he's been a pretty lucky guy. So on April 20th, 1692, Anne Putnam Jr., the little girl, she says that the invisible specter of George Burroughs came to visit her. And he said that he was the leader of the witches. He killed his first two wives, as as well as his uh, predecessor's wife and daughter. Uh, and you know, and he and that uh, he bewitched the soldiers that are actually fighting on the front line right now against the Indian. Oh wow! So, what they do, they go up there and they grab him. I said, George. They go all the way up to Maine, where they don't live. They have got a right to go up there and just grab him. Now we're five months in. Now we're in May of nineteen sixty-two. George should have been brought to salem and he's kind of a smart ass if you just kind of read the things mm-hmm. about him he's kind of a likable guy so he's asked about communion they ask him when's the last time he basically has taken mm-hmm. uh partaken in the lord's supper which is mm-hmm. communion and he was like man eh, i don't know a couple times in the in the past you know one time i went to this church and they had it there and i didn't didn't partake and then uh you know a couple weeks ago i was at a service and they had it there and i didn't partake and then they said well is it true that your house is haunted it overran by toads toads toads
2: oh
0: and he's like no my house isn't haunted but we do have toads in the summertime
2: well, <laughs> so yeah.
0: they kind of didn't like the fact that he, he was, was being really a <laughs> now, the whole town was fascinated by this whole uh I guess the arrest of George Burroughs. Now, Cotton Mather, we talked about him earlier. He's the guy that wrote the book, and he's documenting all this. Now, Cotton was a, a minister as well, so he kind of knew that George was a renegade, and, and uh, he'd, been, he'd not been formally ordained. Now, this is something that's kind of interesting. To be formally ordained by the Puritan church, you must have an organized congregation and then actually have a formal um, uh, delegation that follows you. And he didn't have that. So even though he was at the church, because it wasn't technically an, an organization and it wasn't uh, uh, a formal allegiance of people signed there, he technically wasn't ordained. So they didn't really look at him as a minister, yeah. even though he was a minister. So the magistrates, once again, they could examine Burrow, but they couldn't convict or, or anything like that. May 27th, the governor ordered a spectral court and the uh, appointed a jury of uh, men. They were mainly just from the next town over. They uh, And then they, he had a, a group of judges. There were three judges, but none of them had any kind of legal training. They were just businessmen, too. So they're just, okay, you get to be judge <laughs> today.
2: Yeah. How and come there was no women on the jury?
0: You know women weren't allowed to do anything back then. They're barely allowed to do anything to keep bonnets on their heads. And No,
2: I guess that's true. Well, that's what's wrong with this whole situation.
0: <laughs> so the chief justice was a guy named william stoutman and uh like i said he was the lieutenant governor of the colony a very strict puritan and uh at this time the courts were way different than like today cuz like i was saying that you know you couldn't kick people out they mm-hmm. at, they didn't have a defense attorney so the people had to re- represent themselves yeah uh, so, there, you know, and then you got to try to represent yourself against what they call spectral evidence of somebody yeah, just saying of, they saw you come in a dream or something.
2: Yeah. You
0: know, that's kind of like hard a lost to cause. Yeah. Yeah. So, the first case uh, that we heard was Bridget Bishop. She was 50 years old. Uh, 12 years earlier, she was accused of being a witch, but she beat that rap and got out. One of the witnesses against her was a 32 year old man named John Louder. Now, John claimed. That he, that about a year before that, Bridget came to him in his bedroom, sat on his chest, and it was pretty much like a sleep paralysis thing. He said there was a bright full moon outside, and the reflection of the light coming through was on her face, so he could tell that it was her. And the courtroom was disrupted by people saying that Bridget is tormenting them, and they were getting stuck by pins. Actually, some of them were actually bleeding um, so it's obvious they had done it to themselves. And in today's court, like I said, we, they would have been kicked out.
2: But Wait, they were bleeding in the courtroom? Yeah. Oh, gosh.
0: But, you know, they they didn't kick them out. They they actually looked at it as more as evidence. So on June 2nd of 1692, the first death sentence was actually issued. Uh, on June 10th, Bridget Bishop was hanged. Now, um, hanging, no, it's hanged. Oh. You have to learn your past participles. It's have it hung. have been hung. you got to use like been in oh. order to use hung. That's your English lesson today from Heavenly Horror Stories. Because, you know, <laughs> have, we're the ones that need to be teaching English. Um, hanging was way different back then than what you would have met. Don't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry. He, <laughs> he hooped in his mouth again. <laughs>
0: Damn taco bell um <laughs> hanging was way different back then than what you probably think of with hanging in most cases with hanging you see somebody up on the gallows uh, a trap door drops their body drops their neps- neck snaps and that pretty much does most of the work back in these days they didn't have any a setup like that. They would have the person climb up on the ladder, put the noose out there, and then they would basically just pull their legs away from the ladder. So they would technically just sit there and slowly strangle to death. Mm. And depending on how heavy they were, they made the decision of how quick they strangled again. Oh, wow. So yeah, it was it was really a, a gross. Situation compared, you know, if all hangings kind of bad, but this was this was even worse because there was no snapping a deck. It it was basically a rope just sitting there strangling you.
2: Yeah, that's not good.
0: So disgusted by the hanging, one of the judge uh, judges he resigned and he said, you know, this is you know in protest and just said, hey, this is not something that should be going on. Uh, But they went on and they continued and and they didn't skip a beat. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so the judge's opinion meant nothing. Apparently, Apparently not.
0: not. July 19th, five more women were executed. Sarah Good, uh, Rebecca Nurse, and uh, three more that were from the village, uh, a neighboring village, so it wasn't even from their town. This thing was really starting to stretch out uh, because they would not confess to being a witch or they wouldn't give up names of other witches. So these women were actually, they they went to their deathbed Mm-hmm. Um, basically, knowing that they did the right thing, yeah. they wouldn't they wouldn't throw anybody else under the bus. Yeah. Now, what you're going to start seeing is there was a strange pattern occurring. People like Tichaba, who confessed and told names, they weren't convicted, so they wanted more confessions. Um, so they said, "Hey, basically, you give us as many names as you possible, and we're not going to execute you." But obviously, this had to start changing at some point in time. Now George Burroughs' trial, he was the first person to speak um, against the Putmans. You know, the, now that he would basically said that he thought it was bullshit, and they were just trying to uh, settle a score. Now their servant Mercy Lewis, remember I said she was going to be a central figure in this whole thing. She says that he came to her as a specter and urged her to write in his book. Or he would kill her. Now, remember, Mercy was three years old and part of this Indian attack uh, that she made it out from where most of her family was killed. And she was later a servant for Mr. Burroughs. So she was his servant. Now, why is that important? Because he is described as having dark skinned. Many wondered how he was able to escape all these Indian attacks, unscathed, basically. Abigail Abigail Williams, she called him the little black minister, black like the Indians. Mm -hmm. So most of the Putmans, and and the Puritans especially, saw Indians as the devil. So keep in mind, her whole family was murdered by Indians. He was the same color as these Indians, and she worked for him and didn't like him. So now you've got this three-year-old who lost everybody in her family to Indians. And now she's got a chance to have another dark-skinned guy. And she pretty much lowered the hammer on him. So the court was crowded. Eight people accused Burroughs of tormenting him. And Burroughs basically said that he was innocent and that, you know, They could say, you know, what they want, but he's not a witch. And as far as he's concerned, witches don't even exist.
2: Hmm. So he basically just said, hey, I'm not that, and they got that foo?
0: Yep. Wow. No, it didn't fly. Well. But that's what he said.
2: Yeah.
0: August 19th, Burroughs was due to be executed. So Cotton Mathers, who was in Boston, he made the trip up. And just as Burroughs had the noose around his neck, he started reciting the Lord's Prayer. Oh. Now, what was it that Cotton Mathers said before? A witch couldn't say the Lord's yeah. Prayer. He said it over and over, and the crowd was like gasping, and you know Our they Lord. were like, "Oh my, and they're actually inching towards him to like
2: get him down, get him
0: down. Well, it's about that time that Cotton Mathers kind of stopped it, and he reminded them that the devil could take on any shape that he wanted, and he could pretty much do anything and he and you know the devil can present himself as, as lies. Mm. So, they hung him.
2: Oh man, he was so close.
0: And uh, it was all due to Cotton Mather's basically coming in for the hanging, and then you know, proclaiming that the devil could do what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, otherwise, if Cotton hadn't came in, he they would yeah. have spared his life.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, it's it's now September 1692, and. This is going to be the final and the bloodiest chapter. Nine more people are going to die by the end of the month. But we got Giles Quarry. Remember we had Martha Quarry that I said was the fine, outstanding citizen of the church. And I said she had a husband that was a little bit argumentative, and we would find out why. Well, Charles was actually now brought up on charges. Uh, Abigail Hobbs said that he was a warlock. Mercy Lewis, of course, there she is again. She also testified in court against him. Now, he was, Giles was 81 years old. So he gets into the courtroom, and like I told you, he's kind of argumentative, and they tell him they need him to plead guilty or innocent. He refuses to plead either.
2: How do you do that?
0: He just says, I'm not going to plead, period. And they ordered him to plead, and he said, no. Well, according to law, (laughs) back then, they can't convict you or continue on with the trial if you don't plead.
2: No good grief.
0: So what they decided to do, they had a little trick that they would use back then called pressing. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Pressing is the act of basically laying you down and laying a board or a plank on you and then putting heavy rocks on top of you until you finally just gave in and said what they wanted to say. Whoa! So that's what they did. They ordered him to be pressed. Um, what happened was they would, like I said, they strip him down and do all that stuff. So what happened was, when he refused on September seventeenth, Sheriff Corwin, he's the prick we talked about earlier, he led Corey down to a pit in an open field, placed a board on his chest, and he had six different men start laying heavy stones on him one by one, on his stomach and his chest area. Um, Corey never made a sound. 81 years old. They're laying all these heavy things. He don't make a peep. And uh, it's funny. This went on over the course of two days. And and over the two days, there were three different times when uh, they would basically say, plead. And every time, he answered the same thing. More weight.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) And like I said, this happened. And then uh, on the second day, he actually passed away. But before he did, he cursed Corwin and the whole town.
2: He cursed, like cursed and put a curse on them?
0: Yeah. <gasps> mm. but, which, people not know which. I guess that was just his final way of you know, yeah. saying, Hey, this will be fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let him
2: worry the rest of your life.
0: <laughs> Three days later, Martha Corey was hung and several others that same day. Now, in Boston, several people started kind of uh, seeing this situation and. and criticizing the whole witch hunt. So uh, some of the confessed witches even started containing, even Teachaba. She went back and said, no, I lied about all that <gasps> stuff. You know, she, she you know, I named all these people and half of them have been killed Stop. now. But, you know, the bottom line is that well, no, Mar- Marquette Jacobs, um, she actually is one of the ones who sent Burroughs and uh, even her own grandfather to the gallows.
2: What a heifer!
0: And she went back and said, "Look, I, I'd rather you know. I, I said this stuff just to save my own life, but I'd I'd rather die uh, than to keep living a lie." She wrote that in an actual letter that she sent. So, a judge just kind of started to cooperate, and uh, he started since these people were now recanting their confessions, he just said, "Well, fine. I'll just start convicting every one of them." And that's what he started doing. By the end of October, the governor did away with the court, the special court that he had, had set up. Uh, trials resumed in a regular court. Uh, but this is key, spectral evidence now was no longer used. So you couldn't use, oh, somebody came in my dream or, or their image of them came. And that was huge because that's what got most of these people convicted. There were three more convicted, but the government pretty much reprieved all of them. So he didn't. So allow. you mean,
2: are you not gonna sit there and tell me that that woman that lied about all those people didn't get anything?
0: No, she ended up getting freed. But that, get we'll, out. We'll, we'll talk about that later. That's a later story. <gasps> so when when Judge uh, Stoughton, he was the guy from earlier, hears that the judge has reprieved all these people, he is pissed and he starts raging that Satan has you know won and he's advanced in their city and um, so three months later. 49 people that had been accused are now released. Three people died in jail waiting during this that didn't, you know. Teachaba is released. She's the one that was the start of all this as far as the first one accused. A year after her arrest, and she got released to a new master because her master Paris, Pastor Paris, Master Pastor Paris, (laughs) (laughs) um, he refused to pay any of her jail expenses. So she got... Bought basically by somebody else by them just paying her jail expenses I told you they had to pay when it was all said and done twenty four people were executed from January till october sixteen ninety seven Samuel Sewell, he was a judge he asked um, for the people 's prayers and he said that you know that hopefully their past sins will not damage uh the future u s a you know, so what happened is you started to realize people started realizing after the fact that they kind of screwed up. So the people that were involved, they all started kind of stepping up. And this went on because I mean, this was 1692. So it took 1697, five years later, before one of the judges stepped up and said, hey, you know, let's let's learn from this and let's move on. In 1703, most of the evidence uh, was thrown out by the um, the actual court right there in the colony Bay, Massachusetts of what they were used to convicted. They threw most of that stuff out. I mean, it's too little, too late. People are already dead, but it was stricken, stricken from the record books yeah. as evidence in 1706, 24 uh, year old and Putnam now junior, which she was only 12 at the time. She makes a formal apology to the church and to the families of the ones she helped execute. She said that I did it not out of malice, anger or ill will towards any person. What I did was done strictly because my morality was diluted by Satan. It was nice of her step up. Yeah. Only several people died because of her (laughs) doings. Whatever. In seventeen eleven, the colony pays monetary uh payment and compensation to the families of those. Uh the sheriff, though he, he stole all that stuff. He never even had to pay anything back. No no kind of disciplinary action. What a jerk. And uh, Hathorne, who was the uh, the first magistrate that was in town that was all this, he continued to live in Salem and never had anything else to say about the trial, never apologized, never said it was wrong.
2: Oh, okay. Okay, well, I'm still waiting to hear what happened to deshiba or whatever the hell her name Teachaba. was. She was just re-
0: She was released to another master.
2: And that's all she got?
0: That's all she got.
2: Oh, my Lord.
0: Now, Cotton Mathers eventually did say that he regretted the incident and the lives that had been taken. And, but he said, you know, who is to blame? Is it the Puritans or is it Satan? So he kind of left it kind of open-ended for that. Um, Butthole. Now, so with this being said, what do you think really happened in this case with the whole witch trials? I mean, what do you think started it? Do you think it's something that got just completely out of hand? Do you think it was all a bunch of BS? I mean, what is your take on the situation?
2: I mean, I, f- I feel like it really happened. And I think it's a bunch of crap that you can just say, oh, she, 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 and she did, you know, are witches as well. And in the end, I'm kind of pissed because nothing happened to Toshiba. Or Teachaba. Teachaba. <laughs> yeah, she's not a TV. <laughs> Whatever her name is. I mean, that's crap. So many people lost their lives, if that it's the case. But
0: do you think there was actual, real, real witchcraft going on? Or do you think these girls actually had something medical going on with no, them? Or I do think you they think they, they just made it ivy. all up? I think
2: they had poison ivy, is what I think. And they were gyrating all around. Maybe that was a new dance move. I don't know. Well,
0: if they didn't even let them dance in, like, uh, what well, was Footloose, I mean, what do you think dancing would be looked at in this area?
2: Well, come on now. I mean, I don't know. I just think. It's kind of hard, it feels like it's far-fetched, but again, you just, you really don't know. And I I can't imagine, I mean, imagine living back in those times, I mean, I would, honestly, I would just stay in my dang house, not ever come out, and that way they couldn't accuse me of being a witch, i will just be a... People, hermit.
0: people back then. Well, see, but the hermits were the ones that were accused of being the witches. Oh. The outcasts were the ones that were the first called.
2: Oh, so you well, really couldn't. I don't want to be a hermit. I just want you to leave me alone. And
0: if you remember back from the Mall Dyer,
2: go fishing or something.
0: Stories. She lived out in a town, uh, out in the yeah, woods, I, all yeah, by, herself by herself, and didn't bother anybody. And
2: well, see, it's a, again, it's a no-win situation in this in this time. But I really feel bad. I mean, for you know. Like Even today, people that might be on death row may have had absolutely nothing to do with whatever, but you just never know.
0: Well, here's my take on the whole thing, and then I'm going to give you somebody else's take. I basically think that it was just a bunch of uh, a couple of little young girls that had nothing better to do with their time and wanted some attention, and then it got out of hand. And once they started their little deal, and then it started becoming, oh my God! Now they're saying it's witch. Oh, we could be accused of being witches. Mm-hmm. We got to name somebody. And I think it just got out of hand. See, I
2: wouldn't even have looked at it that way. That's so funny.
0: And but let's ha- let's talk about how Linda Caperell looks at it. Linda Caperell was is actually a, um, a college student in the in the early seventies, and she starts doing some research, and she starts talking about the afflictions that these girls had. Mm-hmm. And then remember we talked about the same thing happened, uh, with the, the, the girls three years before mm-hmm. that had caused that young, the uh, Irish lady to be accused of witch and be hung. It was a similar symptoms. Well, what she found out when she was doing some studying is that the symptoms they had, the hallucinations, the, um, the gyrating, the jerking, the, the quick sharp pains, mushrooms, Sort of. It's actually a sign of, uh, similar to what you would get from LSD. Oh, wow. And what she found out was that there was a, there was something called ergot poisoning. Ergot poisoning is a fungus that grows on rye and other grains, mm-hmm. but rye was the choice of grain used in Salem. And the, the winter before that, It was actually a very um, wet winter. Mm -hmm. So that would make sense that there would be more, you know, that this stuff would grow on, on. And that's what they would have been using at this time. It would have been that those crops. And she seems to think that this is just a situation of them eating the rye bread and having so many people having these because they had ergot poisoning. Wow. Which is, like I said, it's, the, it's pretty much the same as effect as taking LSD.
2: Dang. That's like a whole other twist on the whole story.
0: Because yeah, LSD is a derivative of ergot, and uh, like I said, it's, it's just something that she came up with. And uh, it says here that toxicologists now know that eating ergot-contaminated food can lead to a convulsive disorder characterized by violent muscle spasms, vomiting, delusions, hallucinations, crawling sensations on the skin, and a host of other symptoms. All of which were probably. of what they
2: had, yeah. Of what they had. Oh, man.
0: So it's like, you know, when you start looking at it, it's like I said, the, the rye crop consumed in the winter of 60, uh, 1691 92, uh, when the first unusual symptoms began to be reported, could easily have been contaminated by large quantities of ergot from the summer of 1692.
2: So. Well, I mean, I kind of understand that, but why didn't it. Well.
0: Well, they didn't know about that back then. They would see they would see the dark colors on the grain, mm-hmm. but they assumed that was just where it got baked kind of out in the sun. Yeah, they but
2: didn't. wouldn't everybody eat the same thing? I mean, if that's all they ate was the rye bread? Well, or-
0: now, see, that's that's a good question, and that's what brings up... Uh, that's why I don't believe in this theory.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm
0: not saying something like this couldn't happen, but, yeah, why wouldn't more people yeah. affect it? Why was it primarily just the women that were affected? Um, and, and if you've got... You can't. Even if that was the case, some of these instances, it was almost like it was. It would start and then it would stop when they wanted. They would just make it start right there, like in the courtroom, and Mm -hmm. then it would go away. If you really had ergot ergot poisoning, you couldn't just stop Stop it. Stop it?
2: Yeah. There's no way.
0: So that, and I think that's what most people's thoughts are on it is that they controlled this way more than Mm -hmm. what you could have done if it was an actual illness.
2: Man, that's some scary stuff right there.
0: So, how about that? So, that's the story.
2: Yeah, that's so interesting. And I just, oh, just to think that somebody could just, whatever, point a finger and say, oh, well, yep, she's a witch. Now you're out there dangling off a limb somewhere.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, this was fun because, like I said, I thought this was, was going to be a lot of information that most people probably hadn't heard. Yeah, definitely. About it and give you some little tips on how they hung people and stuff like that. And that's mm-hmm. always good right before you go to bed. No, yeah. Um, we did a contest last week where we told you to go back and look at the alistair crowley show and i was we're going to give a uh trivia question and we had two winners on that so congrats to you guys for um winning the contest and we're going to do it again this week so what we're going to do i've got another dvd of hillbilly horror show to give out that's our little sister friend show that just happened to be named almost similar to us i
2: know how weird is and- that
0: but we got one more DVD to give out next week, so we're going to do this one this week and one more next week. What I want you to do, I've determined, is we're going to go back and have you listen to episode nine, the first rock and roll and the occult show, and I'm going to post a trivia question uh, sometime tomorrow night. I'll probably do it later because I've got we got people all over the world, and and I posted it and uh, the people that live in like Australia and uh, and. Um, parts of germany and stuff like that the, the time difference didn't give them a chance so i'll probably start it a little later but we are going to release that tomorrow night and the first one who answers correctly will win uh thank you guys for the support of patreon we did release that first listeners episode uh anybody who signs up the rest of the month obviously will get that on the 15th we are going to release another show that's going to be part paranormal part true crime but have probably three four or five stories in it that's what you guys had requested uh remember on patreon all you got to do is go to our um uh hillbilly horror stories website go to the donate page you can make a one-time donation if you'd rather do that or if you want to do patreon you get these extra bonuses of a couple extra shows and some of them you get t-shirts and stuff like that you can look at them on there i won't bore you with details uh we appreciate everything you guys have done we had a bunch of people order t-shirts and uh, we're excited about that. So remember, if you have gotten a T-shirt already, please take a picture and send it to our Facebook page. And then we'll share it around social media.
2: Yeah, please do. We look forward to seeing those.
0: Once again, keep all, all the people in uh, in London in your prayers and your thoughts. And uh, we also, Sarah Roscoe. Uh, she actually is, is a fantastic uh, fan of the show. And she was just on our first listener episode. And she's actually going through some medical situations right now. She got a little bit of bad news yesterday. You guys keep her in your thoughts and prayers as well.
2: Okay, Sarah, we're praying for you, baby.
0: All right. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next week.
2: Love one another. Have a great week, guys.
0: And uh, if you want to, send a tweet out to the girls from uh, And That's we Drink. Tell them you're excited about having them on the yeah. show next week. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week.
1: Bye.